Good morning, everyone. Um, Let's just pray for one second. Lord, we just come to you right now. We just thank you for all that you're doing in and through us, among us. Lord, we thank you for the promise of your word when two or more are gathered, that you're with us, that you're in our very midst. So, Lord, we, we recognize that. We acknowledge that today. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would just breathe upon this word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as Pastor Tim mentioned, um, and as we've stressed throughout the year, we're going to be doing messages on prayer and different aspects on prayer. And today I want to share with you some techniques on listening prayer. So today won't be so much theological or doctrinal. It's going to be a lot more practical because we want you not just to understand the whys of prayer, but we want you to know the hows of prayer. And so a lot of people have a prayer life, but how do we actually take it to the next level of hearing God's voice? And so that's some of the techniques I'd like to share with you today. We have critical times ahead. Many of you know, many of you are sensing in the spirit, hearing a lot of reports from you guys that you really feel God is on the move, something's happening, and as you know, we're in a very changed world, so it's critical that we hear God's voice like never before. Amen? So how do we tune into that? John 10.27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So other translations say, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and um, they, they, they follow after me. They obey me would be a good way to translate that. So how are we doing in that whole thing? How good are we at hearing his voice? Reminds me of the story of a man who was at the doctor's office. The doctor had asked about the, the gentleman's wife, and the man said to the doctor, he goes, I'm really concerned. It seems to me that her hearing is getting worse and worse. And the doctor says, well, how bad is it? The guy says, well, it's hard to tell. The doctor says, well, I'll give you a simple test. He says, when she's not expecting it, come up behind her and say something. If she doesn't respond, get closer and keep moving closer until she finally responds, until she can hear you. And he goes, that distance will give us a good feel for how hard of hearing she is. So the guy said the next day, he sees his opportunity. She's at the kitchen sink washing dishes. So he starts about 20 feet back behind her, and he says, hi, honey, what's for dinner? No response. So he moves in 15 feet. Hi, honey, what's for dinner? No response. 10 feet, same thing. Gets within five feet. He says to her again, hey, honey, what's for dinner? She turns around and screams at the top of her lungs, lasagna, for the fourth time, we're having lasagna. (laughs) So... So many times I hear from people, I can't hear God's voice. God isn't speaking. How can you hear God's voice? And, and usually the problem isn't on God's end, right? It's usually on our end. God is speaking all the time. It reminds me of radio broadcast signals or television signals. This air in this room is saturated with signals from all kinds of communication devices. And all you have to have is a receiver that is able to tune in to that specific frequency that that broadcast is being held on. And so we have to train ourselves. How do we get on the same frequency that God is in? How do we pull down those broadcasts, that communication that God is doing within our midst, within our realm? How do we tune our hearts to hear that? 
So I think it's time that we learn that. Now, I can teach you how to hear God's voice, and I'm very confident if you use some of these techniques that within a week or so, you'll begin to hear God's voice. But the thing that I can't do is I can't teach you how to obey God's voice, right? <laughs> that's a whole other story, and that's up to you. Because it's one thing to hear, but it's a whole other thing to obey, right? So today I want to teach you how to hear. Okay, I knew in prayer, I've heard that there was listening prayer. I heard that there was ways to hear God's voice. But every time I tried to pray personally, all I ever had was silence. And I don't know about you, but when I started out, it was very frustrating. My prayer times were dry. I was just trying to do devotionals. I was just trying to sit before God, make time for God. I'd read through my Bible. I'd read through my prayer requests. I'd pray the list forward, backwards, nothing. And all I could say about my prayer life at that time is I got some pretty good naps out of the deal, <laughs> you know, because I don't know about you. I just like, that was it. I'd try to pray in the morning, and I'd just be out. And it would always befuddle me, because by the end of my prayer time, I'm thinking, I just woke up. How can I be so tired, and how could I fall asleep during my time with God? And I'd feel so guilty, and um, I knew I had to learn some techniques to help me to begin to hear better. Um, most of my prayer times were almost like monologues with God, just me talking to him. And I, I knew what I desired was a two-way conversation. And I discovered that in Exodus 33, when Moses was talking to God. And it's just the most powerful discourse, to me, one of the most powerful discourses in the whole Bible. And here's Moses talking to God, and it's right after God had given them the Ten Commandments. And Moses smashed the Ten Commandments. He's really frustrated, and God's really frustrated, and God says, get out of my face. Take these people and leave. And... Um, Anyways, with, with that, Moses stands up to God and he says, I'm not going anywhere unless you go with me. I'm thinking, how does Moses have the, the courage to stand up to the Almighty God to say, enough is enough. These are your people. We're not going anywhere unless you go with us. And then he makes other demands on God. We'll get into that a little bit later. But the thing that really... Um, got to me is when it talks about how Moses would speak face to face with God as one friend speaks to another. And I knew that I wanted that. I knew I had to learn that. How do you get to a place where you can just be conversational with God? You speak, he listens. He speaks, you listen back and forth, back and forth to have that volley, to have that exchange, just as if he was truly in the room. The Bible is actually testimony after testimony of people who have had encounters with God. Over and over, God interacts with his people in such a variety of ways. And so to try to pigeonhole it, to try to put some kind of formula to it would be wrong because we have example after example. God spoke to Daniel through dreams and visions. He spoke to Balaam through a donkey. He spoke to Peter through a rooster. And he spoke to Moses through a burning bush. I, I came to a realization of that whole concept that God is talking all the time when my sister, who always wanted to have a baby, had trouble getting pregnant. It took her 10 years to get pregnant. And she was one of those little girls that always had a doll, always had a baby buggy, was always babysitting other people's kids, and so desperately wanted a child. 
and 10 years after marriage, she finally got pregnant, and on the day she delivered her baby, it turned into a crisis. And uh, the baby ended up in the NICU. My sister was in danger, and my parents had called me to come and pick them up and drive them out to a hospital in Rochester because they didn't want to drive. So as I was driving to pick up my parents, I thought, as the pastor in the family, I'm going to have to have the strength of God. I'm the one that's going to have to have all the answers. And I frankly didn't know what was going to happen. I was afraid for her, but I knew I had to be the strong one. So in my car, I'm praying as I'm going down 696. First thing I did is I turned on the radio, and there was a song on the radio by Stephen Curtis Chapman. I don't listen to his music that much, but a song that said, the chorus was, this one was born in Zion, this one will never die. And that just kept repeating, this one was born in Zion, this one will never die. I'll tell you what, that gives you a lot of confidence, doesn't it? This baby is not going to die. The doctors and the nurses had already pronounced that this child will most likely not make it. Prepare yourselves. So as I'm driving, a little bit later, I see a billboard with an arm, with a muscle flexing, with a bicep, and it said, be strong in the Lord. I'm like, all right, right? God is speaking all the time. Are you tuning in? Are you listening? Are you seeing and hearing what it is that he's saying? A couple miles later, on the freeway overpass, one of those crosswalks, a handmade sign said, trust Jesus. And that was the third sign out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, right? Pick up my parents, they get in the car, they're broken, they're upset, their hearts are just breaking for my sister and for this baby. And I said, God's got this, God's got this. This baby's going to make it. This baby's going to be just fine. Got to the hospital, same thing. Assured my sister, assured her husband, this baby's fine. God's got this. How could I do that? Because I heard clearly the word of the Lord. Baby ended up being just fine after two weeks in ICU. And today she's 19 years old and she's perfectly fine. Praise God. Amen. So again, God is speaking all the time, but what happens is we're Westerners. We work out of our rational minds, don't we? And we don't tune in to the spirit realm so easily because the rational is what comes easy for us. It's what we've been discipled into. It's what the school systems routinely teach us is to use our rational mind. You know, some of us talk about right brain versus left brain. So the left brain being the logical reasoning side the mathematical side, the, uh, the side that we use for our communication skills. And so we rely heavily on our left brains, where Easterners rely heavily on their right brain, the artistic side, the music awareness side, the intuition side. And so we have two different approaches to God. So we try to approach God with the rational mind, where the Easterners approach God in a more mystical, and more experiential way. Pastor Tim ran into that head first when he went to China. I don't know if you remember the story, but he went there with 40 hours worth of teaching and instruction and doctrine and notes and handouts. And after the first four hours, his first session, he felt like he bombed out. And his interpreter told him, that's not how these people learn. That's not how these people communicate. This is not how they approach God. It's through logic, through their head. They approach God through experience. And so the next shift, the next session, 
he chucked his notes and he went to, to minister to their spirits and to appeal to them in a spiritual way. And it changed everything. He was able to communicate and have a breakthrough with these people like never before. So I just want to encourage you to break out of that rational mindset and engage the spiritual mindset. And the thing is, is the rational side isn't bad. We need that side. But in order to tap into that flow, into that spirit, we need to engage the right brain and, and the um, experiential side of it. And then once we do that, once we make that connection, we bring back our logic, our reasoning, to test the communication that we're receiving. It's the difference between logos and rhema. We've talked so many times about the logos is the written word of God. This right here is the logos of God. God wrote it down to, for us. We have that instruction. But the rhema is the spoken word. It's the breathed word. It's the inspired word. And so we have to have both, don't we? We need the logos. We need the rhema. I just heard a great example the other day. I just loved it. And the man was making the point between logos and rhema. And he said that he Skypes his sister on his iPad all the time. And he talks to her, and he has fun with these Skype sessions. But it would be wrong for him to embrace and love and hold his iPad thinking that was his sister. This iPad is not his sister. This is not God. This points us to God. This gets us to God. This is a holy Bible, and we respect this. Every word of it is true, and this is our guide. But this is like that iPad. And so many times we have people who are Bible deists. They have such a relationship with this, but they don't know the God of heaven. And that's the trap that the scribes and the Pharisees fell into. Here they are. They know the word inside and out. They copied it forward and back. They knew every jot and tittle. And yet, when God himself was standing in their very midst, when he was face to face with them, they couldn't recognize him. And so we need to know both God's Word, and not just the Word of God, but the God of that Word. Amen? So that's what we need to do, is transition into that next level of relationship with God. And make no mistake, and I don't want anybody misquoting me, this is the Holy Bible, right? So I believe every word of it, and I think it's what points us to God. But we need to have that relationship. So here are some ways that God speaks to us. Number one, he speaks to us through the Bible, right? His word is the thing that keeps us going. It's the thing that constantly shows us who he is. It outlines his character. It gives us example after example of his relationship with others. So we need our Bibles. The more you learn your Bible, the more you can get into this word, the more you know it, the more when God communicates to you, the more assurance that you have that that is God speaking, because this is your filter, this is your grid, this is the very thing that helps you to discern that what you're hearing is spot on by God. The second way is through the still small voice. That's probably the primary way that most people hear God, is that still small voice. And a lot of times we miss it, a lot of times we don't discern it, because it's the quiet voice of God that's constantly whispering, but are you tuned in? Do you know the difference between God's voice, between your thoughts and the thoughts of the enemy? You know, I, I love to use the illustration. Remember when you were kids 
in the cartoons on TV always showed the one character with an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder, right? And he's going back and forth, plus they have that little bubble over his head, his thoughts as well, right? And what we have to do is knock that little devil off our shoulder to tune out that voice and tune in to the voice of God and know the difference between our thoughts and his thoughts. And here's the clue. His ways are not your ways, right? So that's a great clue for you. When you get that revelation from God, and it's really solid revelation, and you know that's beyond my brain capacity to think of something like that, you can be pretty sure that that's God speaking to you. The third thing is through his audible voice. Some people report that they've actually heard the audible voice of God. And history and so many examples are documented when people have actually heard the audible voice of God. So don't discount that. Don't think that that still doesn't happen today. God can use an audible voice to communicate, to talk to you. Other people is another good way to hear and be sure that you're hearing from God. I rely on other people. When they talk to me, when they say something, all of a sudden they'll say a word or phrase. It just jerks your head around, doesn't it? It's like, wow, how did they say that? How did they know that was on my heart? I love meeting with my spiritual father because there's always that aha moment and every time we have lunch, every time we speak face to face, I mean, it just knocks me down in my tracks because he'll say something. I'm like, how did you know that? You know, because he just knows what to say and it's a confirmation to me every time that I'm hearing from God and that he's hearing from God and that word confirms it to me. So other people are a great source to hear God's voice. And a lot of times when you're struggling, when you're having trouble hearing God's voice, ask other people to pray with you. Ask other people to talk with you and see what they're saying if it doesn't minister to your spirit. The next way, life circumstances. Things are happening all the time in our life, constantly happening. And what we have to do is key in on those experiences because likely it's God, again, talking. You know, we talk a lot about signs and wonders, but I love the signs that make you wonder. The signs like, what the heck was that all about? You know, and a lot of times those were God moments, right? When God shuts doors and open, opens windows, we have to be aware of those times and tune into, is that God talking? Is that God speaking? Is God showing me something? And I love to see in that realm when God uses the natural to communicate in the spiritual. It's amazing, isn't it? When you start tapping into that. And then lastly, and not, not that these are the only ways, these are some of the ways. These are the most common ways that I've experienced. He talks to us through dreams and through visions, right? Dreams and visions are so important. And again, the Bible is just filled with example after example of men and women who report having dreams and visions and understand what God is saying. Some of you are so ADD, some of you are so inattentive that there's no way that you could hold a conversation with God, let alone with someone that's real in the flesh, that's face to face with you because of your attention span. So God has to speak to you in a dream, in a vision, because what happens in a dream? He's got your undivided attention, doesn't he? You're in a sleep state, but God can actually communicate to you through dreams, through visions. Pay attention to those things. And when you get a dream, you usually know. 
you usually know there's something different. There's something about that dream that was different than all my other dreams. And I encourage you to write those down and begin to pray about them. And um, we have a group in our prophetic team that does dream interpretations. And it's amazing that some of the dreams that you would swear are total pizza dreams. Like, this dream can't mean anything. But the dreamer said, I know this means something, but it's not clear to me what it means. Can you help me to understand the symbology and some of the things that the dream is representing, some of the things that the dream is communicating? And I'll tell you what, it's totally fascinating when you see these things. So I want to encourage you to tap in to the dream realm and the vision realm. Next part is I want to give you some practical suggestions on how to position your heart, how to hear from God. Next slide here. First thing we have to do is remove the outer noise. So when you find your time to sit down and pray and listen to God, you have to remove that outer noise. So some of the things that I suggest is, number one, set a time to listen. Make an appointment. That's what you would do if you were meeting someone for breakfast or meeting someone for lunch, right? God's the same. Lord, I want to meet with you. I want to have a time with you. Pick a time and place that works for you. If you're not a morning person, don't make the pledge, I'm going to meet with God at 5 a.m., right? If you're a night person, do it at night. I'm a morning person. I love the morning. I love the quiet of the day. I love when the birds are just getting up and you hear the songbirds and the house is quiet. That's my time with God. If I try to wait till night, till 10, 11 o'clock at night, I'm one of those people when my head hits the pillow, boom, I'm out. I would never do it at night, so I have to do it in the morning. But I know some of you are night owls, so that's your time. So find your time, find your place, a time that is optimal for you to meet with God to make sure that you're able to hear. Number two, find a place to listen. This place should be quiet and free from distractions. And I mean all distractions. And the first thing you've got to do is when you go into that place, you know, some people describe it as their prayer closet. Lose your cell phone. Get your cell phone as far away as possible. Because I guarantee you, if that cell phone buzzes, if it rings, if it dings, if you get a text message, what's that going to do? It's instantly going to break your attention span, isn't it? It's immediately going to distract you. And in my case, I always have to make sure that my wife's cell phone is nowhere near me because she has the gift of putting her cell phone wherever I am and wherever she's not. So her phone is always ringing. It's always dinging. I'm like, what? I knew I should shut my phone off, but it's her phone, right? So clean the room. Make sure there's nothing in that room that's a distraction. That includes pets, anything that would steal your attention. Make sure that that room is a sterile environment to hear from God. And next, pay attention to your posture. You know, use a posture that works for you. I remember when I first was learning this, I would go into an office. The pastor of the church would open these offices. And so I would go into this one counseling office, and it had the most comfortable couch. And I'd sit down there at 6 in the morning, sink into that couch. And next thing I know, 7 o'clock, I had to leave for work because I just dozed off. So that wasn't a good situation for me. So after a while, after so many times being disappointed with my prayer time, I decided I have to change my posture. 
I have to do something that works for me. And so I realized it's hard to fall asleep while you're standing up and walking. So I would just start pacing. The entire time I would pray, I would start pacing. And it became an awesome tool for me. Something that practical, something that simple changed everything. And so as I began to pace, I would notice the more excited I got, the faster I would pace, the more calories I was burning. And then sometimes when I was just in a more contemplative mood, you know, I'd go slow. And the thing is, is that ebb and flow with the Lord would keep me awake. It would keep me engaged. It would keep me locked in. Some people have to kneel when they pray. Some people have to stand when they pray. Some people have to lay flat on their face when they pray. Find what works for you, and I guarantee you'll stay engaged longer if you can tap in to the correct posture to hear from God. Okay. The hardest part is clearing our minds, that inner noise that we need to turn off. How do we tap into the still, small voice, that spontaneous flow? So the first thing you got to do is you got to lose that left brain. you got to say, during this time, I'm not going to be analytical. During this time, I'm not going to be logical. During this time, I'm just going to engage spirit to spirit, right? God is spirit, and he communicates in the spirit realm. So if you try to use your logic, if you try to use your Western mind, you are going to talk yourself out of every word you hear because you're going to be so busy criticizing and judging it. Put that on hold temporarily until you get done with your prayer session then you can go back and analyze, is this from God? Is this a true word? But during this time, what you're trying to do is engage your spirit with the Holy Spirit. So a couple pointers for that. Set aside at least a half hour. I try to pray an hour every morning, and I couldn't do an hour at first. You start with five minutes. Do with what you can do. Start a goal of five minutes, then double it to ten minutes, and keep going until you get up to an hour but always set aside at least a half hour of time where you're not rushed, where you're not disturbed, where you can just be alone, you and God. If you get those stray thoughts that come through your mind, and I guarantee you, the moment you make that declaration, the moment you decide, I'm going to go for this, I'm going to listen as intently as I can to God's voice, every thought that's been in your mind will come to the forefront, right? And that's part of that whole sitting in a place that is very um, conducive for prayer because if you sit in the worst room in your house, you're going to notice the crack in the ceiling. You're going to notice the chipping paint, right? You're going to notice the, the molding that's off the floor or whatever. And when you get those thoughts, when those things start to attack your mind, just simply write them down. I will get to you after this half hour is over. Home Depot doesn't open for another 45 minutes. So... Can't do anything about you now anyhow, right? So write those thoughts down and then continue in the vein that you're going in. So that's, that's the next point. Next, read scripture. Scripture is a great way to lock in to the Spirit of God. And I just love it when I just pray, Lord, show me what you want me to know. Show me what, what you want me to hear today. Lord, give me a word of instruction. Lord, give me a word of guidance. If I'm praying for someone, I love to give someone a scripture. I love text messaging where you can text message someone a scripture. Say, I was praying for you this morning and God gave me this scripture. And then you get that text back like, oh my goodness, how did you know? How did you know? And it's just the word that they needed to hear. And so when I'm praying for someone, 
That's part of my listening prayer. Lord, give me a word for so-and-so, and I just wait until I hear what God is saying. So use scripture. Next, if you have trouble centering and, and hearing God's voice, use worship music. Worship music is fantastic, right? What does that do? A lot of times we worship until we pray, and sometimes we pray until we worship. They go hand in hand, don't they? One enables the other. One begets the other. So begin to worship. Begin to put that music on and just really worship God. Really seek him out. And before you know it, the lyrics of the song or the Lord will lead you to a passage of scripture and all of a sudden that flow begins to happen. So music is really important. And then lastly, pray in tongues. You know, if you have the gift of tongues, if you have a prayer language, use it all the time. Never stop using it. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed for people and they got clearly a manifestation of the gift of tongues. And you'll talk to them a month later, six months later, how's it going? Oh, that was just a one-time thing. No, it wasn't. You need to keep using it. You need to keep engaged in it. You need to keep practicing it. And the more you do it, the more natural it becomes, the, the more second nature it becomes, and all of a sudden you begin praying all the time. Your prayer never stops when you begin to pray in the Spirit like that. <clears throat> and the next part, oh gosh, this is what happens when I try to get creative with the slides. <laughs> My artistic ability isn't that good, so... Um, you can tell I don't preview these because I'm always as surprised as you guys are when I see them. But um, what this slide says is keeping a journal. Journals help you focus. There's nothing like keeping a prayer journal to keep focused. It's a great tool. I just really encourage you, when you leave here today, stop at CVS, get a steno notebook, or get a fancy journal. Whatever is pleasing to you, but get a journal and keep that journal Write and date everything that you do because our journal documents our history with God. I love the story of David when he went up against Goliath. And you all know the story when King Saul was trying to put the armor on David and David said, I can't fight with this stuff on me. And Saul says to him, what makes you think you can take this giant? And David said, I fought the lion and the bear and this guy's going to go down twice as hard, right? And why did he say that? He had a history with God. And I keep my prayer journals, and I'll tell you what, when you're in those dry spells, when you're in those places where you need an extra boost of faith, you can pull out that journal and begin to read your history with God. Oh, I remember when God showed up here. I remember when God delivered me from that. I remember when God did this. I keep on my cell phone and my notes section testimonies of all those things that God did. I pull it out all the time and I rehearse my history with God. And whenever I come up in a situation, it's boom, instant. I remember when God did this. I remember when God did that. And it's instant because I have that history and I know that God is going to move on my behalf. And I can be as confident as David was when he went up against the giant. Amen? Amen. So that's our history with God. It fine-tunes our spiritual ears it really helps us to lock in. Writing it down creates an expectancy. When you write that thing down that God is sharing with you, 
You expect it to happen, don't you? I, I just can't tell you how many times when I wrote it down, it takes it out of the spiritual realm and it grounds it into the earthly realm, doesn't it? There's something to that practice and that exercise, and it builds that expectation. I remember one time I was praying on New Year's Eve, and I was praying into the new year, and the Lord was giving me a prophetic word that that new year was going to be a year of spontaneous blessings. So I'm writing this down in my journal, and I got it dated, 1-1, and I can't remember what year it was, and, and the new year. And I'm writing down that the Lord's going to start blessing me with spontaneous blessings. And about 12.15 a.m., my phone's ringing, and the caller ID says, Dad. Dad? My dad's probably called me less than five times, and I think it was two or three in my entire life. And my dad's calling. I'm like, what in the world is my dad calling for? He's not the kind of guy to call and wish anybody Happy New Year. My dad never used the telephone. So my dad's calling, so I answer the phone. I'm like, hello? And he says, hey. He goes, we got a $50 gift certificate to, to Andiamo's restaurant. And he goes, I'm never going to go there. What am I going to do with this thing? He goes, I want you and Luann to have it. He says, so next time you come over, remind me to give you that gift certificate. I'm looking down at my journal. Be prepared. This is the year of spontaneous blessing. What do I write down, right? 12.15 a.m., Partial fulfillment, number one, got an Andiamo gift certificate, right? Because God's speaking all the time, and I want to write it down, and I want to keep that history with God. And so when I go back and I'm in those places where you're having that pity party, God never listens to me, God never hears me, God never blesses me, 12, 15 a.m., got a $50 Andiamo's gift certificate. Spaghetti was really good that day, or <laughs> whatever, Right? Um, some people use two different pens when they're journaling. I don't, but it's a good idea. What I usually do is I write out my initial prayer or my question or my scripture to get the flow going. Good morning, Lord. I love you. Thank you for this day. Whatever you want. I start off with that opening prayer, that opening sentence, opening paragraph, and then I skip a line and I wait. You've got to wait, right? You've got to listen because that's when God speaks is when you take time to listen. And so when he speaks, I write it down. And some people will use a different color pen. I think that's a good idea. I never thought of that. But use a different color pen. That way when you go back six months later, you can say, me, God, me, God. And you can start to see the exchange. And it starts off really slow, but after a while, you'll begin to fill up pages and pages of your journal because God starts downloading. And believe me, I got plenty of blank pages they just have that opening paragraph. And you can flip page after page. Didn't hear anything this day. Didn't hear anything this day. And guess what? When those times happen, I start backtracking my journal. When did God stop speaking? When did I last hear his voice? Oh, and he told me to do this. Go back a couple. Oh, he told me to do that same thing then. And you keep going back. And it's like, just like parents with a small child, right? You tell them, you tell them, you tell them. Then what do you do? You just, that's it. I'm not going to say it again. And that's what God does sometimes, right? So when we have those times of silence, our journal can be our best tool to help us to reconnect and get back on track with God. But when you start to get those downloads, it's amazing. I love when I sit in the back, and all of a sudden, God starts downloading on me. And a good thing Denise isn't here, 
because I used to take the offering envelopes. She got them reprinted. They don't work as well as the old ones did. But if you unfold an offering envelope, you have a whole page of paper on the inside. <laughs> if you just peel it open. And so I just start writing. And I go through two, three, four envelopes sometimes because God's just downloading. I can't write fast enough, right? And then, you know, the next staff meeting, Denise is like, we need to order more offering envelopes. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh boy, if <laughs> she only knew, right? So, but the, my point is, when God starts downloading, you'll be writing as fast as you possibly can. And don't worry about your penmanship, you know? Just write it down. You can fix it later. That's what I do, is after this, the spontaneous flow stops, I go back over my journal, and I start to rewrite the words. I just print above them, those ones that are unintelligible. You know, those times I wrote in tongues, and I'm like, what in the world is that word? So I'll just print above that word, just so I have a prompter when I go back what that really says. So use a journal. Write down those to-do lists, like I said, and record all your answers and even partial fulfillment. So I leave space in my journal after every page to document what, what God did to answer those prayers. It's powerful. Here's a couple of questions to um, test what you hear from God, just real quickly. Was it a clear word or just an impression? Does it exalt Christ? Sometimes I'll just jot a little note, like, not sure about this one. Sometimes I've crossed things out where that was, that was truly my flesh. Um, do other Christians confirm it? Always have a spiritual authority in your life. If you get some journaling that you're not sure about, that you're suspect about, bounce it off your spiritual authority in your life. Bounce it off your pastor. Bounce it off a spiritual brother or sister. Does this sound like God? And does, it cause, uh, does God cause it to actually take place, right? A fulfillment of a word is the best validation of a word, right? Wow, he said it and it happened. So be aware of those things. So I just want to leave you with, um, God says that this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. And that's the purpose of this listening prayer, is to get to know God more. It's not a discipline. It's not, it's not about a dense of duty. It's about a relationship. I get to meet with God. I get to meet with the Most High God. I get to have this relationship with God. And I don't know about you, but it's the most exciting thing. It can transform your walk. Moses did it. Abraham did it. David did it. All these spiritual giants that went ahead of us, they had the ability to hear God's voice. I love, again, what Moses said. Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me how to pray. I want to know you face to face. I want to I see you move. And he says, show me your glory. I want to be in that place with God where I can be that confident, where I can be that bold and approach him and talk to him and make that, that request known. One of the best definitions I've ever heard about prayer is prayer is making a demand from heaven. I'll say that again. Prayer is making a demand from heaven. It's when you pull that thing down from that heavenly realm and you pull it down to earth. I love that. I love the image that that conjures up. And that's what Moses did when he said, show me your face, teach me your ways. Lord, I want to know everything about you. And when you begin to have that love relationship, when you begin to have that face-to-face -face relationship with God, it changes everything. History and scripture both record that when Jesus was crucified, the curtain 
The veil in the temple was rent once and for all from top to bottom. And the message there is it gives us unfettered access access to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We can approach him 24-7. He's constantly there to hear us and to comfort us and to be there to, to be that listening voice. And so I just want to encourage you, each and every one of you, to take full advantage of that. We have a God like no other God. Our God is alive and well. Our God is ready to answer us. Our God is ready to share with us some of the deep secrets of his heart. I love Psalm 27. It says that God confides in those who love him. I love that. God confides in those who love him. Don't you want God to confide in you? You know, friends let things slip, don't they? And if you're in that place with God, when those things start to slip, it's like, why did you tell me that? You know, what's that all about, Lord? Because usually he's got an assignment coming up for you, doesn't he? And so take advantage of those moments. So why don't we stand? And I just want to pray for you. just want to pray that God will begin to download, that God will begin to, to share his heart with you.